Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, welcome to church this morning. And as I've already mentioned, we are continuing and, dare I say, concluding our series on the book of Daniel, which has been loosely based upon Chris Hodges' book, The Daniel Dilemma. Who's been enjoying this series? I've got to be honest, for, for me, it's one of my favourite series I've ever done. And uh, for all of those who have ordered the book, um, you need to know that our greed slash desire to have this book has put Kurong Bookshop at a dilemma. They have their own dilemma now because they don't have the Daniel Dilemma in. And so there's lots of books on back order. So if you've ordered one of those, just be patient. Your book is coming. Um, but if you don't have the kind of patience you need to wait for the book, then you can actually download that particular book online. And uh, I'm going to ask uh, one of the younger people to um, explain that. If you don't know how to do that, just get around one of the younger people and they will help you download that book so you can have it as early as today. But uh, I know for those who have read it, uh, it is a game changer. And uh, I love Chris's um, catch cry. It's really the whole premise of the book is how what it is to stand firm and yet at the same time love well in a culture of compromise. And I want you to know that we live in a day and a generation where our culture has well and truly been compromised. The good news is that two and a half thousand years ago, a young man by the name of Daniel lived in the culture that had been compromised, but he shows us how to stand firm and love well. And that's what this whole series has been about. And I trust that it will help you not just agree with on a Sunday, but it will help you in your Monday through Saturdays. And I trust that we will hear more and more testimonies of how this particular series has impacted you to make a difference in the world that God has placed you in. And so over the last few weeks, we've looked at week number one was how to stand out. Week number two was how to stand up. Week number three, Ashley did, and that was how to stand strong. He looked at the story of Daniel when he was confronted with the lion's den, and that was an amazing teaching. And then last week, I talked about standing firm. And this week, concluding our series, we're looking at how to stand in love. Everyone say love. love. Everyone say love. <laughs> Oh, so good. You see, many people today feel that they have to change the Bible in order to love well. In order to truly love, we have to change the Bible. And when it comes to certain issues, sexuality, etc., 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 we find ourselves uh, saying this, and or you may have heard this, you know, the Bible doesn't really mean that. You know, did God really say? And when we start using language like that, we're never more like the devil than when we use that language because way back in the beginning of time, that's the exact strategy of the enemy is to get us to question the Word of God. In actual fact, the devil wants two things. He wants God's worship and he wants to distort the Word of God. And we have to know that it's not through changing the Word of God that we need, uh, are able to love well. In actual fact, some people think that they know how to love people better than God knows how to love people. It's almost like we've got to 2018. We appreciate what you did in those early days, God, but we are so full of ourselves and so full of technology and so full of knowledge. We know better than you how to love people. Yeah. 
But God has put some things in His Word that are unchanging, they are everlasting, and we need to adhere to the Word of God. And that's why we need to stand firm. But every word that was written in the Word of God was on a foundation of love because God is love. And so this series is about us not only standing firm, but also loving well. Because in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, it says this, The only thing that counts is faith, that is us standing firm, expressing itself through love. And I've got to be honest with you, as a church, we haven't always got this right. I say that on behalf of Victory Church and I would say it on behalf of the Universal Church. We don't always get this right. Sometimes in our endeavour to stand firm, it's at the expense of love. And if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes in order to, to love and to fit in, we haven't always stood firm. And it would be a brave person out there to say, no, I've never done that. I think by virtue of the fact that we've all been guilty of both of those extremes, we as a church uh, have come to the conclusion that we haven't always done this well. And uh, we want to get better at what we do. And so we trust that this series has been helpful in establishing that. You see, you cannot antagonise and influence at the same time. And you're never going to win your enemies to Christ not while they remain enemies. We need to win our enemies over and the way we're going to win them over is with love. And so how do we do this? How do we actually effectively influence, stand our ground and love at the same time? You see, Daniel was a young man and he was very good at this, as was Jesus. In actual fact, Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another. Now, When Jesus said this was a new command, the reality is it wasn't a new command. It was just a new way of saying an old command. He says, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In other words, Jesus didn't say, People will know you're my disciples if you get baptised. He didn't say, People will know you're my disciples if you go to church. He didn't say, people will know you're my disciples if you read your Bible or if you pray out aloud. Jesus didn't say any of those things, all of which are good, mind you. And if you are doing them, keep doing them. I'm not here to say, stop that. I'm just here to say that the distinctive was none of those things. The distinctive that Jesus highlighted was the word love. It's loving one another that is the New Testament Christian's distinctive. And we see that Daniel, even before Christ, displayed this incredible quality of loving people. We've learned over the last few weeks that he was a polite young man. He was a respectful young man. He was an influential young man. And he never budged on his convictions. And I want you to get that into your heart and spirit. He was a man that was polite. He was influential, but he never budged on his convictions. Turn with me, if you would, to Daniel chapter 3. And we want to read a few verses, starting at verse 3. Daniel chapter 3, verse 3 says, Now Daniel so distinguished himself amongst the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of governmental affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could not find any corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. 
Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. I love this verse. This thought that Daniel distinguished himself. In other words, he made a decision to stand out. He made a decision that he was not going to be like everyone else. And I trust that through this series that we can come to this conclusion whereby we would make a decision that we're not going to be like everyone else, that we are going to distinguish ourselves and we are going to stand out and be different than the people in the culture in which God has placed us. And Daniel so distinguished himself that he caught the attention of the king. Daniel lived under three different king's reigns. And this was now King Darius. And King Darius set up three leaders over his officials. One of them was Daniel. But Daniel so distinguished himself amongst the other two that the king said, man, I might as well give the whole job to you. And as a result, and this always happens, uh, it's called the tall poppy syndrome. When you begin to stand out, when you begin to step up, you get noticed. And sometimes you get favour and sometimes you get opposition. And those that were jealous of Daniel started to try and find grounds on which they could accuse Daniel. Uh, And as much as they tried, they couldn't find anything. All they could find is that he serves a different God than us. They recognised he wasn't corrupt. He was polite. He wasn't rude. And so the only thing that they could find against this man was based upon the God in whom he served. He was well behaved. He didn't mess up and he had a pure heart. And I want to say this to encourage you that these things that they notice about Daniel are really encouraging. Because the things they noticed about Daniel, the things that made him stand out was not his height, was not his good looks, was not the clothes that he wore. It had something to do with who he was and the decisions that he made. And every one of us can do something about that. You may not be able to do something about your height. You may not be able to do something about what it is that uh, the job you have presently. But we can do something about the things that Daniel did something about. And this is incredibly empowering and this is incredibly good news because he was polite. You and I can choose to be polite. He was well behaved and he was well mannered. These are things that you and I can choose to do and become like Daniel and so distinguish ourselves. And so I want to just go through three things really quick this morning that Daniel did for his community, that Daniel did for his generation, that you and I can do for our community, our world and our generation. And it can start as early as today. And you can take it into your Mondays and you can take it into your Tuesday and every day of the week. Because if our Christianity doesn't work in the week, it's not the real deal. And so three things that we can do that Daniel did and that we can learn from and serve our community. First one is simply this, we can serve them. We can actually serve our community. All we've got to do in order to love well is find a need and meet it. Instead of complaining and whinging that you're the only Christian in the workplace, that tells me there's lots of needs in that workplace. And instead of focusing on the negative, we can actually start thinking, okay, how can I serve the people in my world? And the way we choose to serve is just finding a need and then fulfilling a need. It's as simple as that. And we see Daniel did that. 
we see the early church did that. In actual fact, Paul, the writer of much of the New Testament, said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. He said, Though I am free, I belong to no one. I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. I want you to get this. Paul had an understanding that in Christ Jesus, he was free, that no one owned him. And that is absolutely true. But he realised because that was true, he made a choice to become a slave, to serve people in order to win people. Because Paul knew that truth alone was not going to win people. Just saying, I'm free and I'm nobody's slave and I don't have to do anything. That's true. It's just really unhelpful. Paul recognised that his freedom had to be used wisely. And so he chose to use his freedom to make a choice based on this freedom to become a slave and to serve people. Because serving people is uh, showing them that you love them. And we're not going to reach them unless they feel the love. And you can do that without compromising. Paul was a man who understood this. This is a picture of the Old Testament slave that when his time or his tenure as a slave came to an end, they were free to go. But there were many slaves that actually enjoyed their master and their family. They were well looked after, they were cared for. And so based upon this newfound freedom, they chose to stay as a slave in the home. And the thing that marked the slave, which was known as a bond servant, was they would place their ear up against the post and they would pierce their ear. And everyone with a pierced ear was a bond servant. And that pierced ear represented a choice to be a slave. They had freedom, but they used their freedom to actually serve another. And this is a picture of what the New Testament Christian should be. One who fully understands their freedom, but chooses to use their freedom to become a slave and get involved and serve others. You know, you might say, Tony, I'm sorry, I I, I don't have to serve anyone. And, And that's the truth. Here's a greater truth. You don't even have to go to church as a Christian. That is absolutely true. You are so free, you don't have to go to church. You are so free in Christ, you don't have to read your Bible. You are so free, you never have to give another cent of your money. You are that free. But you realise if you choose to play that card, it says something about you. You know, when you say, hey, I don't have to serve in this place, that is true, you are right. But oh, so unhelpful. See, being right is overrated. Being right is not the answer. Being right is not helping a lost, hurting, broken world. That's been one of the biggest problems in the church today is that we're right. We're right. You're going to hell. <laughs> like, is right really unhelpful? I don't know if you're aware of this. And maybe some of you haven't been in town for a little while, but you go to town on a Friday night. It's, it scares me because there are certain groups that are in the mall and they are preaching truth. But honestly, I'm a Christian and I've been a Christian most of my life, but I'm scared to go down there because they aggressively tell me that I'm going to hell unless you find Jesus. Right? Oh, so unhelpful. Because even as a Christian, I, at that moment, I don't want to be a Christian if it, I don't want to associate with that. See, being right is overrated. So if you're sitting there being served week after week, you say, I don't have to go on the serving team. You're right. But there are precious people being worn out while you remain right. Have you thought about that? 
Oh, there's a lot of burnout in the church. Maybe it's because there's a lot of people who choose to exercise their freedom and not serve. Maybe it's not the church asking too much. Maybe it's people not offering themselves enough. Just a thought, just throwing it out there. Because love serves. And if we can't serve one another, that's where it's got to start. You know, I I say to uh, our kids, do not give your family sloppy seconds. If you can do something for friends, you can do it for your family first. And that starts with the church. We can serve one another first. And then out of that, we serve others. And it's amazing, you don't have to do much to love people. It's amazing, Andre and I had an amazing time in the States and, and we went to different um, pubs for meals and different restaurants for meals and, and met some incredible people. And there's lots of stories I could tell you. But let me just tell you one. We were sitting at the bar having a counter meal and there's this young girl, we got to know her a little bit and she was a young mum and obviously doing it tough and they're working for tips. And I remember just looking at Andre as we're talking to this young lady and getting her story and we're asking all these questions. We, we thought, you know, we can, we can tip her or we can be really generous. And we chose to be really generous. I want to tell you, no matter what she thought of us and no matter what she thought about our God or our faith, I want to tell you she was incredibly grateful. You can't win your enemies to Christ. They've first got to stop becoming your enemies. And the way we do that is chipping away with a little old thing called love. Jesus was brilliant at this. Jesus knew that you can't bring correction until you have connection. And story after story, account after account, we see Jesus first connecting with people. The very fact that he came from heaven to earth is part of that. He wanted to help humans, so guess what he did? He came as a, as a, as a goat? No. As an angel? No. He came as a human. He clothed, the Word became flesh because that's who he was trying to reach. And Jesus is amazing at doing that. See this young man, Zacchaeus, short man, went up a tree. I think I shared this in week one of our series. That Zacchaeus was up the tree and, and, and Jesus sees this man up the tree, kind of caught his attention. And he said to Zacchaeus, he said, hey, how about we do lunch? Now Jesus could have said, hey, you're going to hell. That would have been right, just unhelpful. But he didn't, he said, let's go to lunch. The disciples and the religious people around him didn't get it. Said, Don't they know who that guy is? He's a tax collector. He's been ripping people off. And Jesus knew all that. But if I'm going to speak into his world, I need a connection. And Jesus knew something. When it comes to connection, food is a good one. So if you want to know where to start, just start having meals with people. Start paying for meals. If you want to make connection, have meals. And so Jesus has this man over for dinner. or He invites Jesus into his home. And we don't know what was said. The Scriptures do not record what was said. What we do know is that Zacchaeus came out changed. So somewhere through this love connection, truth was exchanged and Zacchaeus got really generous. Because whenever you've been in contact with Jesus, that's the first sign that Christ is at work in you. You'll see it all the time. Generosity is the first thing. Never more like Christ than when we are generous. God so loved the world that he gave. And Zacchaeus just gets really generous. 
But where did it start? It didn't start with correction. It started with connection. And if we are serious about winning our community, having an influence like Daniel did, like Paul did, like Jesus did, all we've got to do is choose to serve our community. And every one of us can do that. We can do it in the schools, do it in the universities, do it in the workplace. Just find the need and fill it. Another guy, we uh, bought a couple of drinks for this, these guys that were sitting there. We were leaving. We were sitting to have a drink. And, and they were shocked. They were so shocked, it became noticeable. They were just shocked. And then there was this lady walking past and obviously got wind of what we'd done. And she said, I cannot believe you'd do that. I cannot believe that you would do that. And so we got in a hot... We were leaving. We stayed for another hour just chatting to them. <laughs> I, I promise this is not hard. Can you imagine what it would look like if every one of us just started loving well on our community? Instead of saying, oh, that person, they don't, they don't deserve it. Yeah, they don't. They don't deserve your love, but you don't deserve God's love, and nor do I. But he gives it anyway. Don't, don't make this about who deserves. We don't deserve anything. None of us deserve anything. The moment you start thinking you deserve something, that's the problem. None of us deserve it. They don't deserve your money. They might do the wrong thing. If I give him money, he might spend it wrong. He might. But when you gave your life to Jesus, have you ever made a mistake? Let's just serve our community. Secondly, we can set an example for them. See, the greatest influence we can have in a person's life is how we live. And some of you might go, Tony, now here's the problem. My example is probably not the best example. And to you, no condemnation, I'd simply say this. Keep coming to church. Keep reading your Bible. Keep praying to God. Because it's amazing that in the presence of God, you can begin to change. I'll tell you how you don't change, when you try and change. But if we wouldn't let God into our life and into our heart, it's amazing, little by little, slowly but surely, somewhere along the line, we begin to change. And I don't know if there's any out there who, along with me, could testify to this. I may not be where I want to be right now. But as I look back over my life, I'm grateful that I'm not where I was. Is there anyone who uh, could say that? I'm not where I want to be, but I can promise you this. I'm not where I was. And when it comes to being an example to our community, it's not about being perfect. It's just about being better. It's just about being better. And every one of us can make a choice to be better this time next year. When I was an 18-year-old kid, I've shared this story a few times, but I came up with a life mantra for myself. And, and one of the portions of that life mantra is, I wanted the spirit of a godly man. When I get to 50 years of age, I do not want to be bitter. I want to be better. And since 18 to uh, almost 50, I want to tell you, there's been plenty of opportunities for me to get bitter because I've been betrayed and I've been let down and I've been disappointed and all those things are true for me as they are for you. But I just made a choice to get better. And that's all. I don't have to be perfect. I just got to be better. And if you can be better, you'll begin to stand out. Our marriage isn't perfect, but uh, if our marriage is better than most, that gives us incredible influence in people's lives. And we don't rub their nose in it. We just say, hey, there but for the grace of God, go each and every one of Ah, so you're with me today. So you may not be where you want to be, but thank God we're not where we were. And thirdly, we can share Christ with them. We, we can actually share Christ with them. We, we see Daniel doing all three 
of these three things. People were aware that Daniel had a God that he loved. They, they were aware of that. In actual fact, we read when Daniel prayed, he'd open the uh, windows and he'd just pray. Seemingly not caring who heard what he had to say to God. He prayed out loud. You see, when we do good acts and we start serving our community and we start setting an example for them and we start distinguishing ourselves and we start standing out, at that moment, where you give the glory is really important. If you just say, oh, it's because of my upbringing. It's because I'm such a good guy. That doesn't help anyone. In actual fact, when it comes to social justice, to me, just to do social justice that's not connected to the church is futile. Because whether you do good things or bad things, whether you're hungry or well-fed, if you're going to hell at the end of it, there's no winner. We, we actually want to do good works, but we want it to be connected with the church because we want to see people ultimately get to yeah. heaven. Because yeah. if people don't get to heaven, we lose. Yeah. Are you with me this morning? Yeah. And so we want to be a people that know how to share our faith. We want people to know that the good that we're doing is because we serve a good God. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give you a reason for the hope in which you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Why do you do what you do? Why would you do that? I'm trusting as we implement this teaching, we're going to get that question asked of us. And we need to give a reason for the hope in which we have. And the hope in which we have is there is one who loved me so much that he was willing to lay down his life. And this is the least that we can do. I need the band to come up because I realize as I share this message today, it's one of those messages that you've heard before for the most part. And we either do two things with that. Either we say, yeah, I've heard that before and just forget about it. Or we really hear it and we realize, you know what? I, I believe you. I just know me. I, I just know that I don't love the way I need to love. And so I think if, if I know people well and I, I know them pretty well, what we do with a message like this is we sit there saying, it's true, I'm just not going to do anything about it because I don't love enough. And so I kind of sense that you love me, you agree with the message, but in our hearts we kind of shut off. Because, you know what, that's great, I just don't love enough. I'm not like Jesus, I'm not like Daniel, I'm not like Paul. And if you're feeling like that today, here's the good news. I don't want any of you to try harder to love anyone. Because if you try harder to love people, you'll just get this more and more around your neck. The Bible says it this way, that God is love. In other words, it's not something God does, it's something that He is. And if you're struggling to love, it tells me that we just need more of, we need more love. And how do we get more love? 
not through trying harder. Okay, I'll try and love him. I'll try and love her. I'll just, I'll just try. Well, it's just not going to work because the bottom line is we just don't love enough. But if we don't love enough and we're being challenged to love more, how do we do that? Well, we get more love. How do, where does more love come from? It comes from God because God is love. And so for us to put this message into practice today, and I'm really trusting that we will, over these next few weeks, we begin to put this in practice where we serve our community, where we're an example to our community, where we start sharing the love of Christ to our community. We've got to love more. And the way we love more is not trying harder, it's just having more of God. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 